Hey, good afternoon, Felicia. Hi, Jason. How are you? <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. How have you been? Good, good. It's a good day. Good day to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm also excited. So, yes, sec. You know, when you when you want to find stuff, you simply can't, right? You can't. You can't. <laughs> you have yeah. to take a breath. You have to take a breath and go. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it. Calm down, and you will find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly is happening. So, okay. So why why don't you ping a few people whom you think would get value from our conversation? And in the meanwhile, I'll just do a show intro. Okay. And I'll be very. Yeah. I'll try to be quick. Okay. So welcome to Brand Identity Design, guys. I'm your host, Jason Thomas. I'm a brand identity designer specializing in corporate identities. And we are currently doing this series called as The Dark Side of Entrepreneurship. And this is an exclusive episode which we are doing with Felicia Ward. And now before we start, I want to thank all the listeners who are hearing us live on Clubhouse or on Replay or on any audio-based broadcasting platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Now, people who are new to the show, uh, I want to make you understand the show format. It's going to be a one-on-one conversation between me and Felicia first. We're going to be discussing uh, the topic, the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in business, why it's so, so essential at this moment of time, why it is so profitable to adopt it, and post that we can have a you know a Q&A from the audience and towards the end we will uh, give you the opportunity we will give Felicia the opportunity to promote our business and if you like the content uh, which we are offering through our club uh, feel free to support the club by clicking the green monopoly icon right on the top and uh, join the club and uh, we would also encourage you to invite more and more people to join the club who you think uh, could get benefited from our conversation so, so I like to you know formally welcome my guest Felicia Ward. She's an entrepreneur, a marketing strategist, over 30 years of experience, professional experience in advertisement and marketing collectively. Uh, she's also uh, the founder of Felicia Ward Marketing and uh, a proud barista of the marketing cafe. So, so welcome Felicia uh, to the space. I appreciate you being here. And this is such an interesting topic which we're going to be discussing about. I know we had a brief conversation yesterday, but for keeping our audience in mind, first of all, I want to understand what is DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion in business. Why it is so important? Where did this whole thing originate from? So that people, uh, you know, who really don't have much idea about it, you know, let 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 us actually give them some perspective. So let's let's start sure. with that, Felicia. Sure. So diversity, equity, inclusion has become right now a really hot topic and a buzzword, but it's been happening for many years. It's the practice of making sure that there are voices and people's faces and all different backgrounds of people at the within the workplace. Um, so just to give you a little bit of the history is that initially, obviously, most of the workspaces were primarily white males. And then the 60s, because of civil rights and things that were happening and social justice, that it became a prominent space for recruitment. 
So it became an issue where they started actually recruiting people of color to come into the workspace, but there would be just very few. So the aspect of diversity primarily only focused on recruiting a short number or small, very small number of people into the workspace. Then it it actually progressed and people started to realize that the people that you have in the space, there's so few of them, we're not seeing any of them in management. So they started having um, training programs for managers. My father was one of those that benefited from that training program where they had marketing and managerial training programs in various industries. But again, it was always one or 2% of the entire population. And again, as social justice and mores changed, it started to morph into, now let's talk about inclusion. Inclusion at that point started to add women, obviously were starting to be added to the workplace, but it was white women. Now it started to be women of color. It started to be people from maybe another country or someone that spoke a different language. But again, it was a very small representation, less than 1%. So over the years, people started to realize that human resources is not the, the focal point for diversity because they only focused in on recruitment, not so much retention. So diversity, equity, inclusion, the whole point at this point is to make sure that people feel that they belong, not that they're just there physically, that you've done your good job, you've recruited a small sampling of people within your community and the communities in which you serve and in the population of your workforce, and then the equity of now you actually see managers from all different parts of the world that are in different departments that are highly qualified. The part that of inclusion, they're included in a lot of groups, but there's still a glass ceiling that exists and what we're doing at this point this is a very interesting time it's we're living in a really a focal point within our history where there's a seismic change and the global demographics of the world there are now more people of color within the world than there are small amount of people that are running the country that were predominantly white male so at this point because of the seismic shift in demographics, the social injustice, and there's a, a huge point where everyone's looking at George Floyd. And that's going to be a pivotal point in our history where people realize we're going backwards, we're not going forwards in terms of social justice and injustice. And that precipitated everyone starting to look at diversity and inclusion in a different way. And then on top of that, you have other voices at the table. So now instead of it just being a social injustice for people of a certain color, there's other voices that are at the table. You have people who are, are, are physically challenged. You have people who have mental disabilities. You have people who have um, self-care has become a major point. In other words, as humans, we all have humanity in common, but everyone has a different story and everyone should be treated equal, but everyone does not have the same access. Everyone does not have the same um, uh, political affiliation. So when you're talking about belonging in a space with diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's very important to make sure that there are certain tenets that have to be there, that instead of looking at the table that we have, we live in a time where we are changing who is at the table and people are building their own tables because they weren't getting an invite to the big table. 
And that's a problem. So now companies have realized that it is imperative for them to invite people to the table and have as many different voices and viewpoints as possible because number one, it makes for great morale, great teamwork, and teamwork does make the dream work that McKinsey reports have shown that companies that have diversity and implement diversity actually are more profitable because you're bringing more people to the table. You're telling more stories and that attracts more people and that people buy more products and services. So you can't just focus on retention. Your, your focal point should be retention, not just recruitment. So I thought it was really important to talk about that from the C-level, that it's great that you're recruiting people, but what is is the actual strategy to keep them here and also what's the pathway that they will have a uh, a cultural trajectory what is their career trajectory and one one has to exist so that people can move forward you don't just want to hire people so that they can stay in a one position all their life most people want to come in most people have ambition they have a particular dream and they want to grow from it so you have to have uh, aspects of mentoring you have to have a, a pipeline where you have uh, quality qualified people at all times from a variety of different places. So you can't just look at the universities, you have to look within the community. So it's a holistic approach to retention and growth of a person, a person, not just an employee. And that's what diversity, equity, inclusion's focal point is. And it's so important in every aspect of industry, no matter what industry that you're in, you can profit from having the variety of voices at the table. People want to see their face, they want to hear their story, and they want to be seen and they want to be heard. And what I say all the time is that everyone looks in the mirror, but what looks back at you is that reflection. When you don't have yourself reflected back in where you see, where you eat, where you go, where you work, you start to look at yourself negatively because one's not like the other. The portrayal of what you're seeing on television and TV and newspapers and social media, the variety of messages that we're bombarded with every day, I've worked in advertising, it's tremendous. And advertising's point is to get you to start thinking about things that you don't need, that all of a sudden you desire and need to have something. And I think we're living in a point that people realize we need mental health. The advent of the pandemic has people off of the hamster wheel. And for the first time ever, they're able to think for themselves. They're able to rest and they're able to think about what they really want in life. And I think that's important and that people are looking at their holistic selves and we're rethinking and taking more important imperfect action moving forward to say we need things beyond diversity. We need more than just paying people and we need more than inclusion. You have to make it very clear from a C-level standpoint that we are all one people and we all belong and we are all deserving of mental health care, having health care, period, being in a space that is not toxic, being in a space that's promotion and growth for all. And until that happens for all, you're going to continue to see the social unrest. You start to see the restlessness. And I think when people are on social media, they're able to express themselves and expressing themselves and not being, you know, confined 
to the hierarchy and the culture of a corporate office or the culture and the rules and the mores of something that fits it's it was before it was a cookie cutter situation and people are saying no we want to make more cookies in fact we don't want to be a cookie i want to bake a pie and that is okay so i'm really passionate about every person that is of color to educate themselves about the importance of why your voice matters in order to do that get certified in diversity equity inclusion for nothing else than to educate yourself and to know that there are rights and that it is okay to be your authentic self and for people who are not a person of color but a person that is white please hear not every person that is white is racist. Not every person that is white is evil. And that what you already are doing, what diversity, equity, inclusion does is it creates an assessment of programs that you already have and then looks at those programs and say, if they're working, do more of that. Now have more voices at the table and start doing more of all of these other things. So it's an assessment and it's an opportunity to do even better, to bring even better talent, more talent, to bring more people to the table. It is not a war on white people, which is what I hear a lot of times. A lot of people are very nervous about diversity, equity, inclusion, because they think that they're not going to be at the table. We need all voices at the table. It's, a, it's about inclusion and the very words, diversity, equity, inclusion. That's why it's so important. So I'm so happy that you're discussing it because in other areas and other spaces, they want to confine what you say because people want to walk on eggshells and not talk about what's really going on behind the scenes, that there's a lot of trepidation in um, corporate communities because most of the Fortune 500 companies are led by white male men and they feel like they're being displaced and they want to to enter diversity equity inclusion because they're being forced to and instead of looking at it as an opportunity and taking advantage of the fact that you could actually increase your profitability increase the workspace that you have and have a, a a very healthy culture for everyone involved and i and what i always want to impart is that everyone has to remember the first day that you went to junior high school or high school and you went into a lunchroom and you looked for a place to sit down everyone knows what that feels like you're trying to find a place for yourself and you're looking for human connection and it doesn't necessarily whether it's a person of color that you're looking for that that's a connection for you maybe you have a blue backpack and you like your backpack and you find a whole sea of people with blue backpacks everyone has a connectivity point and that connectivity point has to be reflected out in the workplace and also in life People want to see themselves and we're not being realistic. Not everyone is skinny. Not everyone is a certain thing. We're all different things and everything is actually okay. It's okay to open up the doors and let everyone have a particular voice and have representation and also to be able to be mentored on how to grow because all the people who have not been in power don't know the rules of how meetings work they don't know they don't have the business acumen that the leaders have and now they're starting to realize i need to gain that knowledge so that takes mentorship and be, working with someone who has that type of experience 
And that also means professional development to grow into your position. And there also has to be a career path that people can see that in five years, where do you see yourself? The very questions they ask in HR, it's not being implemented so that people from all different voices can take that path and actually grow themselves. That's a that's a loaded answer, uh, Felicia, for my question. And and they had you know it had so many layers to it. But I appreciate you bringing clarity to our audience. So people who have just joined the conversation or who are just listening to us just right now. I want to quickly give give them a heads up on the conversation. We are speaking about speaking about importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in business. Uh, I have pinned an article right to the top. So this is actually the research we are actually referring to. So Felicia is actually a marketing strategist, over 30 years of experience in advertisement and marketing. She's also the founder of Felicia Ward Marketing. Uh, she has also worked with a Fortune 100 and 500 companies with regards to uh, account management, acquisition, creative development, and executive initiatives, and many more. So she has a wealth of experience in this particular sector. And and based on the conversation me pers you know, I personally had with Felicia yesterday, uh, you know, this, this topic came up, and, and I'm just going to give you some facts, okay? So the facts are diverse companies enjoy 2.3 times higher cash flow uh, per employee, Second, diverse management boosts revenue by 19%. And this is reported by Boston Consulting Group. Uh, it also states that teams that are gender, age, and ethnically, ethnically diverse uh, makes better decisions up to 87% of the time by global uh, diversity practice. 41% of managers say uh, that they are too busy to prioritize diversity in, in workplace. Uh, you know, they, they, they want to do it, but they're too busy to do it. Uh, it also, I'm, I'm just going through some of the things which you shared with me, Felicia. So Deloitte found 74% of millennials believe their organization is more innovative when it has a culture of inclusion. When it has culture of inclusion, from world economic forum i kind of agree with this felicia because you know think about it you know you're into marketing i'm into design now unless and until we understand uh, you know that diversity part you know we will not be able to create you know effective ad copies right uh, we will not be able to design stuff you know for a certain community so i think this plays a very vital role so from based on your professional experience felicia how can one utilize this diversity how it becomes helpful for a business overall so in this way we are not speaking to just one group of people we can you know bring people from uh, you know everywhere like you know maybe asians maybe uh, yeah. some, you know people from other culture so how does how would that benefit a business if you can speak on that we know sure. but how, how can sure. we apply it Sure. How do how it apply it is that you have best practices, especially marketers and whatever industry that you're in, you have best practices. Uh, one of the best practices in marketing is storytelling. 
So I'll utilize that as an example because storytelling is how we sell products and services. It's used in movies and music. And, um, you know, one of the most common is the hero's journey. Everyone is familiar with it where the hero leaves. That's called the departure, leaves their hometown and then they go off, you know, in order to have a uh, an adventure and self-discovery. The key is self-discovery. The hero in that story is whatever you envision in your mind. It could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a child. Um, then there's the initiation. The initiation is when they faced the real world because and they face adversity for the first time and they're being tested on all different levels and that initiation that story is also universal because it happens to everyone everyone and they always say there's 10 million stories in new york city 10 different stories to tell and that's really the world that we live in everyone has a story of adversity and having to learn to overcome and then the end of that story that it's a three-part act the final part of that story is the return where the where the young hero comes back and now feels confident has matured and has learned a lesson that they want to share and now they look to that hero as, as a leader where before they were untested we use that story in commercials and movies and everything. But the problem has always been the hero was a very small character. It was a very finite. It was always male. It was always white. He was always young. He was probably had blonde hair. And what we have to do now as a as a, we have to look at ourselves instead of being a various small nations, we have to teach our children globally. And we have to know that we live in a global society. I mean, even with the pandemic, the, the, whatever disease that has come in the world has come through global travel. We're connected globally through commerce and travel. So the, the pictures and the videos and the messages that we're bombarded with on a daily basis that we see, as long as you stick to humanity and tell universal stories about family, about love, about loss, about overcoming, um, about having a problem, about having a solution to a problem, these are universal stories. You're telling the same best practice stories that have been uh, our proven marketing strategies that will help promote and sell your business and convert people from prospects to clients. The difference is to apply it, you have to sit at the table of your team and think about, do you have everybody at the table that you need to tell a variety of stories? So we always start, we should always start with wisdom. Who is the wisest person in the room? Start with people who are deemed to be senior citizens that have a million stories to tell. And then at the opposite end, you have someone that's young. You have someone that's, um, you know, that has faced adversity. You have people from around the world. You have people that speak different tongues and languages, people that have different religious beliefs. Um, from me being a Christian, the, the hero story, you're thinking of, oh, you know, a certain character in the Bible or someone else reads the Quran. And you have to make sure that all those different universal stories, they resonate with everyone because it's in everyone's community. And sticking to the ideal of community 
it's not just the community in the house that you grew up with. Your community expands to the community that you live in, and that expands to government, and then it continues on. And what you have to do a better job of is making sure that the universal stories that you're telling, that you should have 20 of them. If you have 20 different stories to tell, that's just the starting point. There's so many more stories to tell. So when people turn on the commercial and they see a bar of soap, everyone has gotten dirty. <laughs> okay. So to get clean, you use soap. It's something everyone uses. So why can't the stories be different? What, what, what does a family look like? A family now is comprised of a, a, an array of different things. Think about all those stories that you could actually tell. And that's how you should be perceiving the workplace. There's so many different people that could be part of your team. Do you have all the people that are represented? If you're throwing a party or if you're throwing a wedding, you're making sure that all are being accommodated. If you have people that drink, you have non-alcoholic you know, alcoholic drinks. If you have people that are vegan, you add that to the menu. It's not that more money and it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal to the people who come because what diversity, equity, inclusion um, boils down to is that you're putting out a welcome mat and that welcome mat should say welcome in every language and in Braille. Okay. And that's how you should look at diversity, equity, inclusion. You're the kid that's standing there with your lunch about to sit down and you have nowhere to sit and you see a sea of people. You're trying to find a connection and seeing that welcome mat and whatever language that you need it to be in, whatever visual you need to see it in makes people feel welcome. That is a great answer. I appreciate you sharing that. So Felicia, from what I understand, everybody has a voice, irrespective of their skin color, irrespective of where they are from, everybody has a voice. And as while we are building up these companies and organizations, while we are trying to run them, it's important that we give access and opportunity to everyone. When we give access and opportunity to everyone, we not only take good decisions, we are more creative, we are more productive as an organization. We understand market problems better and we understand different perspectives of how people perceive them. Like I remember uh, we had a conversation yesterday, we spoke about minorities, how you feel like a minority. So we gave example of Luke, right? Luke is in Japan. He never yeah, felt as Japan. a minority. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you share that example quickly so that people know what we are talking about? Uh, sure. So same yeah. thing which we spoke. Sure. There, there's a, a one of our peers that's in the marketing cafe. His name is Luke, and he lives in Japan. And he, we were talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and he said, you know, this is the first time him being a white male, he's living in a society where he's living in Japan, and the first time he felt what how it resonated for him to be a minority. Um, and how things don't change for you just because you're white living in Japan, that life continues on and that he has to make a lot of different adjustments and that people don't speak English everywhere you go all the time and that he had obviously had to learn the language and that it was the first time he saw what that was like. And I, I invite people of different races to go someplace to eat that is not what your normal place, you know? So I have some Italian friends and they went to a soul food restaurant and they said the food and everything was, was great, but they also had the experience of feeling what it was like to walk in 
and not necessarily know if they were going to be welcomed and having that trepidation and that nervousness and being self-conscious and saying to me, I never felt so white. And I said, just imagine if you were a person of color, we, we live that experience all the time. And if you're if you're a person, uh, you know, I have friends that and family members that have diabetes and they've lost a limb. We don't know as able walking people. We don't know what it's like to say, you know what, I'm going to go to the store real quick and how their life experience is different. And those variety of stories really need to be told. And it's I think a lot of times people think we're making a political correctness and they're trying to right the wrongs of history, that is a huge, huge part of what's happening. But at the same time, in order for us to be able to go backwards, we have to talk about the uncomfortable situation. And you do have to know a little about history. You have to know a lot about history. And but to just to get along, try to do the right thing and try to be an advocate for someone else make and that's part of diversity equity and inclusion people that are doing great jobs that are they're highly qualified in their position they're highly knowledgeable they've gone through a manager training program they've gotten certain certifications they've won awards and they're still not being promoted because outside of the workplace we don't have discussions about how people actually move up in a lot of companies a lot of times it's nepotism a lot of times it's because someone is a member of that person's country club they're not being racist they just knew joe better than they knew you and that's what diversity equity inclusion is actually looking those types of things in the face and saying we have to do a better job of making people feel belong if they've gone through all of this where's the advocacy at work who is speaking your name when you're not in the room that could say that you would make a great manager you would make a great senior vp you should be in that particular program you should win that scholarship you don't have anyone so you have to look at the fact that if you are in a position of power try to relinquish your power and advocacy to someone else that does not look like you that's what's so important and i think mm -hmm. that that's what diversity equity and inclusion really resonates and really is about and if people would hear it from that perspective more people would be on board nice nice felicia i appreciate you sharing that now, I did share the link which you had sent me over email. So, so guys, if you click on the link above, uh, this is actually how you can get the DEI workplace certification. I think it's uh, it's $99 for a certificate, 14-hour certificate course, 100% online and open to public. So, Felicia, I want people to understand that, first of all, whom do you think should be entitled or not entitled should go ahead with this certification is it only leadership is it just human resource or do you think everybody should take uh, you know advantage of such certification to get a fair perspective on things i think that everyone should get certified and to give you a, a you know you read the information i want to shout out university of south south florida they were the first one to have a global certification on diversity equity and inclusion and they started out saying we need to do something and it happened weeks after the george floyd incident and the protesting and they start reaching out to other cultures and other countries because university of south florida is a diverse university and they ended up having 
over a hundred and I think 33,000 people globally participated in that first certification. And I was very proudly a part of that. And a lot of people who were already in the diversity, equity, inclusion space that have been doing this for a living said it was so heartwarming to see how many people from all the different cultures, so many Fortune 500 companies participated. NFL team coaches participated. People from all different walks of life to say that, you know, you don't have to be in human resources. You don't have to necessarily be in diversity, equity, inclusion. You're Yourself, but you need to understand about implicit bias. You need to learn about these different things and you need to know what a strategic plan looks like in your workplace so that when you're working somewhere, you're not just speaking things from just your own experience, but there's an actual strategic plan that gets followed that you learn all the different components for so that you know what a good diversity, equity, inclusion team looks like. And I would also advocate that whatever company that you work in, whatever industry that you're in, look for an industry that I belong to ad color. So that's for creatives, marketing and creative people of color color that have their whole different uh, a coalition that they have and a great program. There's obviously uh, content creators for engineers and things like that. Join those particular organizations of whatever ethnicity and group that you're affiliated with and then get the diversity, equity, inclusion, workplace certificates so that you could see what a plan, learn for yourself, what a plan looks like. And as you stated, human resources is too busy to take on that huge task. The most that they're doing is recruitment. They're making sure that they have the numbers so that their that particular uh, corporate company is getting the, the credits and will get federal dollars for making sure that they're hiring people of color. That's the 1960s. That's, that's so far back from what diversity, equity, inclusion has gone. It has to go way beyond that. And if they don't have programs that help promote the holistic person and not only attract people, but you have to retain people. And the most important, you have to grow people when they're there. And that's the part about being belo uh, have belonging. How many times have you met somebody that they go to work every day and they, they love what they do, but they don't like their work environment? That's what makes people leave their jobs. That's what makes people change their industry because they loved, they had a love for something and they had such a bad taste in their mouth because of a bad experience that they had due to the fact that they didn't have diversity, equi equity, inclusion. They might've been receiving microaggressions. A microaggression is when you work in a workplace and people are smiling at you, but they're kind of talking behind your back and they really don't want you there. And they make a concerted effort to what I call a thousand, a thousand cuts, you know, to death, you know, every day they say a little something in your earshot. Um, you know, you're locked out of a space. You're not told when a meeting is. You're told that the meeting's five minutes late individually those small little microaggressions well you know they're just being petty or you know that just happened that could have been a mistake but the commute uh, i should say the cumulative damage to that is daunting that if every day for 365 mm -hmm. days it's just like a person who's experienced being bullied the reason that you have school place shooters, and I used to handle some of those shootings when I worked at the school district of, of Philadelphia, is that you have people who have reached their tipping point. That's why you have people that are coming out and creating these horrific 
acts of violence because someone has been acting upon them for years. And you have to get things under control very early on, and you have to make people feel welcome. If you don't have to like them, but you have to let them know that it's okay to sit there. Okay, you don't have to like a person that's in or agree with the politics or the the lifestyles of other people, but we're all human and we all have to go to work. Everyone has to eat. Everyone has the place to live. Everyone needs health care and everyone has the right to enjoy themselves in variety of spaces, not just spaces that you think that they're supposed to be in, you know, and mm, that's what's nice. important. Awesome, Felicia. Awesome, awesome. I, I appreciate you sharing that too. You are actually, uh, you know, it's like a shotgun loaded with information, and you're just, you know, <laughs> you're just shooting it back, back and forth again and again. So thank you so much for sharing all these important points uh, which you have about diversity, inclusion, equity, and inclusion. Thank you so much for doing that. I know before we start the Q and A from the audience, I just wanted to quickly throw out some facts, uh, some of the reports which Felicia has shared. It states that 80, 82% of business leaders whose organization have a global footprint agree or strongly agree that employees demonstrate a commitment to inclusion compared to 67% of local companies reported by PwC. It also states that gender diverse companies are 15% more likely to outperform their peers and ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to do the same. And this is reported by McKenzie and company. Uh, and I'm just going through uh, inclusive team outperforms their peers by 80% in team based assessment by this is by reported by Deloitte. So I want to quickly welcome Chi, Kiana, Girish and uh, Daphine. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, you know, down in the audience. You're welcome to come up if you like. Thank you so much for supporting the Brand Identity Design Club. And uh, I appreciate you guys being here. So, Chi, do you have a question for Felicia or would you like to contribute to this conversation? I just want to say, Felicia, job well done. Absolutely beautiful. And um, as, I, as I was sitting listening to you speak, um, you know, the thing that came to mind for, for me in regards to what, you know, you're doing and what you're embodying currently right now is the fact that, um, you know, certain people take on positions, but they don't really understand that diversity is something that you have to be able to change your mindset and flip that switch. And everything that you're speaking about um, I can tell that this is who you are, you know, um, and it's it's very it just comes out just easily um, and understanding the diversity and wanting the inclusion of other people. So thank you for, you know, um, just a just a magnificent um, topic and um, what you're doing within the community to help so many people um, feel included you know, and, and getting that word out, I've actually invited someone to join because they've been asked to do um, something similar within the, um, how do you say it, angelic or something, evangelist, angelic um, church, uh, whereas in it's ran by majority of um, 
of white males. And after the George Floyd, they understood that they needed to make some changes and they don't want to continuously go backwards. They want to go forward and they understand that there's change that is needed. So they've um, connected with this gentleman um, to help lead them in, in this direction. So I was hoping that, you know, he could come and be a part of this conversation as well. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, get some, um, insight, um, as he continuously walks his journey. But thank you so much, Felicia, for, um, for, for this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Chief, so much. And I wish he was able to join, but he can hear the replay. And when I worked at the School District of Philadelphia, I worked in the Office of Communications, and we had a faith-based division. And I think because my my background is marketing communications, crisis management, advertising, all those great things, I think what happens is that communicators are the liaison to all the other different departments within a company. So we see it very clearly, the benefits of having that types of diversity. And you wanna recommend to him that we did this in our, the faith-based group because they got added to the communications department because people see the need for it, of that holistic response. When there is an emergency, you have to have a concerted crisis management response. And in the, in the old days, it was one department, but now when things happen, you have to have mental health professionals at the ready. You have to have faith-based people at the ready, communications people. You have to find out where, what the housing is going to be like. And what I would recommend to your friend that's dealing with faith-based, and we did this, is you have to start having, start out slow by having monthly prayer, intersectional, interfaith prayer breakfast meetings very early in the morning before their day gets started, before things get crazy, and having a, a multitude of different faith-based uh, leaders sitting at a table just having breakfast. Can I tell you just when they pray over the food, it's an event. So <laughs> it's all different types of food and all different kind of prayers. And then they have an agenda where they talk about the issues of the community, not just the issues of the business of the church. You have to talk that the response that churches need to have, they have to be part of the crisis management response and they have to be part of the holistic healing. They have to be part of the conversation that people are having about looking for a job. That if in your community, uh, you know, unemployment is 38% or uh, just the other day, Amazon had to relocate 1800 employees because of, sh of school shooting violence in Seattle. Okay. And people go, Seattle, what's going on in Seattle? People don't understand the connectivity that we are a global society. And what people don't really get is that all of this violence that's starting to spill out into the streets comes from a major corporation that went out of business. You know what it was? Street drugs and crime. They've, those people have been displaced. Their services are no longer needed because people are using the space, using the dark web. People that are street savvy and smart have moved on to mobile apps. So the people who do not have that business street acumen, they have taken to the streets. And guess what? People carry credit cards nowadays. They don't carry cash. You go into a store. The reason you don't have holdups and, and robberies is because people don't have a cash register. They have a monitor. <laughs> okay. So that has resulted in people that are 
uh, participating in crime to just say, well, I'm just going to go out there and, and grab and do whatever I can. And those are the type of connectivities that if you do studies on diversity, equity, inclusion, you see that it's not one race, one people, one town. There's a pattern and people aren't able to see the patterns as to what's going on because we're, li we're operating in silos. And what communications does is open that up and say, what's happening globally? What's the messaging? What's happening? And it's it has a it, there's a problem there that says, hey, this is what's happening in this particular neighborhood. It's oh, it's happening in mine too. Now what you have is a connectivity, and you have that connectivity is how can we help one another? What can we do to help? And that's what diversity, equity, inclusion does. It says, how can we help? more people, not just the people that are sitting here at the table having the big ideas because we run things. And because you've been running things for a long time, you have to relinquish your chair to others so that other people have a seat at the table that can contribute and tell you some insights that you may not be familiar with. That's what it's about. And to let them know that there's issues and that there's problems. And a lot of times people want to shoot the messenger. They don't want to hear the bad news. But hearing the bad news, looking at the connectivity, looking at the numbers, you see that holistically there has to be a holistic healing to a lot of these problems. And it's not just a one note problem. And I think I saw Luke popped in. Thank you, Luke, for joining us. I had mentioned you a little bit earlier. I give it back to you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he had to go. It was pretty late in Japan. So, so Felicia, thank you so much. Would you like to comment on that or can we move ahead to Kiana? I just say, well done. That's all I can say is well done. Thank you so much, Felicia. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Sister Chi. I appreciate you being here and also for being so supportive, uh, you know, with what I'm doing. Thank you so much. I'd like to welcome Kiana to the stage. Thank you, Kiana, for joining our today's conversation. Do you have a question or would you like to contribute to this conversation? Hey there, Jason, and hi, Felicia. Um, thank you so much for speaking on this topic today. It is such, in my opinion, a heavy topic. Um, and there's so many things I want to say. So first, I want to say, I think it's amazing that you uh, that you speak on this and that you take this on. And then the thing that I want to say that to me that's heavy on my heart is um, I feel like there's this narrative out there that when black people or people of color achieve things, that it's because of affirmative action and things like that. So I'm curious about because I really feel like true diversity, inclusion and equity would be us being able to achieve things or being able to go to Harvard and things like that without remarks like, well, you're only here to make the numbers. You're only here because of affirmative action. Oh, you must be here on scholarship when there's black children at pet prep schools. Like, um, and so I'm wondering, what do you think is a how do we break down that stigma of people who are perceived and assumed to be a certain way when they achieve things? How do we break down the, st the stigmas around their achievements? 
perfect question. What diversity, equity, inclusion includes is transparency. You will start to see, and I challenge all of you that are out there listening, start going to Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 websites, and you will see that they, a lot of them now all have an, an actual addition to their website that says, what is their diversity, equity, and inclusion plan? As in, don't just tell me the numbers, but I want to know what programs that you have, what's been working and what's not working and what your plan is to make it work better. And to answer your question about this inadequacy that people feel like, oh, they're here because of some sort of mandate or something, uh, you know, like you said, affirmative action, what diversity, equity, inclusion, it brings transparency so that the real, the companies that are doing it really well you'll go onto their website and you'll actually see their diversity plan on the front page where they say, we now have X number of um, managers, X number of people have degrees, X number of people have certifications. We've just, how many awards that we have won. And then when you click the person's bio for, you know, or go on a particular person's thing, it says what their background is. And I think that's so clear, especially me working in communications, is that I tell everybody, you need to actually create your own narrative. Do not let other people dictate your narrative. So that, for instance, when you're in a, a community group and you have to introduce yourself, you need to have a brand asset that says, I'm Kiana with, with comma with a PhD who has the so-and-so and so-and-so. I've attended these things. My favorite color is blue. My favorite book is by Maya Angelou. My favorite quote is, and I'm married with children and, and I love animals. And if you say you love animals, don't just say you love animals. Join the SPCA. Get involved with your chapter. People are looking for the passions that you say that you have to be certified in that passion. Show what it is that you actually do. I tell people, I was, I'm originally from St. Louis. I can show you better than I can tell you. So when people have these misgivings as to where people are coming from, make sure you have your own narrative that you will be able to jot down, create your own bio and your own brand assets that you have ready to go. And participating in diversity, equity, inclusion, people will start to see that the backgrounds of the employees that they have, there are a lot of companies that are out there that will let you know that this company doesn't hire people unless they have the following background. So the backgrounds and the story that you have, you have to be able to work together with communications, with marketing, with human resources. And if they don't do it, do it for yourself to let people know. Don't let people assume how you got there on day one. Change that narrative. Drive your own narrative as to where you come from and what you're doing and what your background has been. Don't let people dismiss you. Don't let people you know, discount you. You have to let people, it's like dealing with the bully on day one. And people bullying, going to jail, <laughs> working at a new company, having a person that's difficult. You have to let people know who you are and what you stand for. And now the buzzword is boundaries. So, and try to create a more work environment for yourself that it come in and you do a little of investigation on people before they come in. So, you know, make yourself feel more comfortable. If you're about to join a new group, go on LinkedIn and see what that person's background is. Because a lot of times people come in think feeling lesser than, and they don't realize that the, the group that they're in, 
they might be lesser than or your equals. So you do the recon on the people and then the group that you're going into, you have some sort of familiarity and then make sure that you have your narrative. You have your little elevator pitch ready to stay. Hi, I'm Kiana. I came from so-and-so. I have a, you know, and you state what your, your background is and give a little bit about your expertise when you introduce yourself because that is a narrative that you do control and have a, a brand assets ready to go that when you hand them the people, when you go someplace, here is your bio. I'm in communications. I would love if everybody that came in to a company already had their bio, and I can tell you they don't. Instead, they, they hand you a six-page CV that I have to melt down into a one-page bio. Um, you know, so have three killer paragraphs about who you are, what you do, and who you help. Have four lines. I help. What's the name of the group that you help? What segment? What's your market segmentation? Who is it that you help? And what is it that you help them do? And tell me about the transformation you make for that group of people. So if you're, you're a doctor and you work with kids, you say, I'm a pediatrician that works with children zero to three years of age who are hard of hearing. And the transformation is that I help them with, you know, I, I've helped raise a million dollars in, you know, ear plan for them. That's when you introduce somebody and they go, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, that whatever narrative that they had from in the past gets a little changed because you know how to introduce yourself, you know how to market yourself, and you know how to create and drive your own narrative. Thank you so much for that. Um, just telling people to be ready with their background to help prove that they are where they need to be despite um, what color they are or whatever. I have two more questions that I wanna quickly ask. I'm gonna ask both of them so maybe that you can touch to them. So speaking about diversity and inclusion, I heard you speak a lot about like race and color, but I wanna touch on like gender and then like ability. So as a woman, I think, um, you know, there is the aspect of women in the workplace who aren't getting paid as much as men who may have the exact same experience and expertise and, and things like that. There's a pay gap, but I also have a friend who's half Mexican. She definitely looks Mexican. Okay. When she, but her name is like Samantha and, and her last name is not Mexican. It's like English. And so when she applies for jobs, she told me that she started putting herself down as white and then asking for an employment quote, like how much they pay right there on the spot. And she said that she came to do this because her older cousin taught her to do this because she learned that they paid white people more than they would pay a Mexican person. And so what she did is she did this, she got them to quote her $27 an hour, whatever it was, uh, to work at the hospital. And the, a girl that she got hired with the same day who was black was only making 24. So my question to you, when it comes to women and people of race who are facing pay gaps in their fields, what type of advisement do you think they should take to, to right these injustices that are happening around us? And then, my, and then my last question to you is more around the ability of workers. So I already talked a lot about race, but I didn't hear a lot about people with disabilities and things like that. And in my past life, I used to work with individuals with developmental disabilities. And some of these individuals do want to grow up and work and make some money for themselves, but do face a lot of discrimination when it comes to the workplace. Then there's this other conversation around like, can they 
complete the task to be able to even be paid or are there is their work even worth paying for so I'm, I'm wondering when it comes to people who have disabilities or even people who are able-minded but maybe just are in a wheelchair who face these types of discrimination prejudices in the workplace how do you feel like they should combat these issues Excellent questions. I'm going to go to the first one about the the um, the girlfriend you had and, and the pay equity situation. And when it comes to pay equity, your best bet is to have an advocate. And I say that because even as content creators, that happens in every space, that if you are a person of color, they, that maybe to be a brand ambassador or to be, you're, you're given a, a potential, potential sponsorship opportunity, they come up with these numbers. And if you wanna know if the numbers are correct, the best thing to do is have someone that's in your industry that might be white or who has been a mentor to you who's been in it for a long period of time that actually can do some recon for you to find out what the actual pay raise is and much as what you said about her changing her last name to find out what it real what the true pay is that's how you do it you get the true pay and then when you actually apply you let let them know that you're looking for a starting pay at that dollar amount so that they know that you know what the actual pay is. And I've done that and that's been pretty effective. Um, to address the, the women's situation, me being a woman, I was very lucky that all throughout my career, I've been in management for most of my life. And I had a, a white female mentor tell me, and I just said this in another room, is that when you're a manager and you're a woman, to take the time to go downstairs to the copier, go into the kitchen by the coffee room and introduce yourself to an intern or someone who is looking to get into a manager training program or someone who is not in management and invite them in your office. It might be the only mentorship um, that you actually receive, but it's done. And what I was told was that men save other men from the copier. When they hire a slew of interns at a big agency corporation that everyone has to do the, you know the girl friday work you know and go fetch this and do that but what happens is that eventually she said a man will come down to the copier and introduce himself and ask that gentleman to come into his office and ask him what he's looking to do how long he's been in there and say you know what why don't you work with me for a couple of days because men understand that just being around a another man and mentoring and spending a few hours with another man and seeing what he's doing or going to a meeting with him, it has such an impression. It's very powerful. Women never get saved from the copier and the coffee pot. The reason being is there's, there's so few women that were in the workplace at the time, they're so busy trying to navigate and just they're happy to be there and they're trying to keep their job. They don't have time to look up. But now that there's more of us, she said, I'm going to ask you to do what I did for you. I wrote an excellent uh, speech and she said, you know, I need her to come upstairs. They said, she's an intern. They had me come upstairs and I was speech writing for a CEO within a month. And I never left that path. And she said, remember, there are tons of women in administration that have degrees. 
the opposite of people who are there who have degrees who people think don't have degrees. And she said, that's because they have not been saved by another woman who said, what are your aspirations? How can I help you? How can I help you with some, some type of mentorship or at least direct you in a path of what you need to do next? They need to see people in the workplace that are in management and you need to spend a few minutes with the person who is doing it well. To address the whole issue with where you're talking about able-bodied people and mentally and physically challenged people or developmental disabilities, going to have that that issue. I've dealt with that as well. Is that you have to do some recon on the company before you apply and see what they've already done. And because of diversity, equity, inclusion, now people are companies are being more transparent about what they actually do. And this came from um, the CEO of. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion for um, um, Apple. And, and I think it was, it was Apple, Microsoft. I'm sorry, I can't remember which company. And she was uh, had problems with hearing. Okay, so she said, I have a developmental disability. I was born deaf in one ear. And she stated how um, she was fighting for disability and fighting for rights of people that are challenged until she broke her leg. And she thought she was doing a good job. And once she broke her leg, um, she said she was in a wheelchair. Her husband, was. they were leaving the hospital and you know how they wheel you out. And her husband forgot to go back to get parking validation. So she got up to kind of stretch her legs and try out her, her crutches on her one leg. And she said, next thing you know, a guy was picking her up and carrying her down to the bottom of the stairs and said, there you go. And she was like, oh my God, what did he just do? And he walked away and her husband came out looking for his wife. And she said that particular case was not a one-time incident that people opened doors and carried her out. They didn't ask permission. When you're in a grocery store and people are looking and they're in a wheelchair, she said, people will go over and grab something that you're looking at and put it in your cart. They don't ask permission. They assume that you need help. She said, when people need help, they will let you know. And she realized having a physical disability, you're treated so much different than if you have an invisible disability. And so she said, we're all about talking in terms of words that you're disabled. No, you're, you're physically challenged. You're this, you're that. She said, well, my, my daughter is a little, she said, I have a daughter who's hard of hearing. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm disabled. <laughs> okay. She said, children speak plain, but you have to remember that people that are older that have disabilities have been taught and trained to not let that disability be spoken about. Don't act like it's not a problem that you can do the job. And they're so busy trying to show how able that they are and capable, it's exhausting. And so she said, when it comes to writing and doing things in terms of disabilities for diversity, equity, inclusion for your company, that you should not have language that says, oh, we have a program for the blind and we have a program for this. She said, what we need to do is normalize that people need help, period. So it should be listed under amenities for everyone. So you need a ride to work, look under amenities. They have a ride share program. You need, um, you know, you need something and uh, translate it, look under language. In other words, don't separate things for people. She said, because if you were to reverse it, if you hire someone and they don't have a leg, and you've act and there and you've gone through the ability of doing their background check and interviewing them and offering them to position. Don't say, are you going to need any help getting to work tomorrow? And we all were like, wow, like I would think that's what the thing to do. She said, it's not the thing to do. She said, I'll tell you why. 
if the if it was um, a person who was pregnant and they were six months pregnant, would you ask that person after you hired them and went through the whole hiring procedure? Are you going to need help getting to work tomorrow? That would be deemed insulting. She said it's insulting because the person who is handicapped or disabled, challenged, however they want to, to identify themselves, they're aware of their, their, their issue and they've been dealing with it and they got to the interview. Okay, so you're insulting them by asking them, do they need any help? Instead, when you onboard the employee, because they are an employee, that you should have your benefits and part of the benefits package, you have things that are on there that are amenities for your employees, just like you have gym membership and then you have special need programs. She said that should be listed and normalized as a part of that. And then that person who is challenged can figure out, oh, there's a shuttle bus. They can determine what you have and see if that's something that they could use and implement to help them do their job better. So when they're applying for jobs, they should look for diversity, equity, inclusion services and what jobs are available for people that are, have diversity, equity, inclusion. It shouldn't be a certain, a special section. It should be listed with all the other jobs. I think Amazon does that. They list all the jobs. And if you have to do a special search for special needs, it pops up, but they don't have a section that just says for special needs people. And that's that's considered to be part of diversity, equity, inclusion. So what I would recommend is that before, if you find a company or the person finds a company that they would like to work for, go online and see what they have under diversity, equity, inclusion, go in human resources and see what jobs that they have available. And if it is not transparent, contact in human resources and say, I'm sorry, I'm looking for areas where there are jobs for people that are physically challenged and they should be able to tell you. But that also is a sign that that might not be a company you wanna work for because they should provide that type of transparency. So I hope that answered some of your questions. Thank you, Felicia, for those wonderful responses. Yeah, she's killing it with all those answers, Kiana. I really like Felicia, how you explaining it, how you're making people understand the importance. And it's not just uh, for gender. It's not just for race. It's, it's pretty much for everything. So we have to be, we have to be respectful and we need to also treat them, uh, you know, treat them normal. When I say normal, I don't mean like in, in that sense. I mean, just treat them like it's like an everyday thing and not have something say that you know okay you need special privileges or right. something just treat in them other like, words just make treat, it a... them like, treat them like family if you have someone in yeah. your family that's disabled you don't say we have to do the disabled thing if you have your someone that's your aunt that's your uncle if they are a family member you have to understand when you're at work you're a part of a family where every family is dysfunctional but you're still a unit if you were in the military, it's you're part of a unit, you're part of a family and you need to make accommodations. And see, we keep using the word accommodations, but when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, we wanna get rid of the word accommodation and just normalize that, guess what? We have someone that just came in and they don't have this. We have someone just came into the company, they have been background checked, they have been interviewed, they have been onboarded, they are here. 
So because they are here, whoever they are, that you have to make sure that they feel welcome. And what you have to do to do that, because they are qualified and they're going to be part of your team, they're an asset. Right away, the fact that they were hired, they are an asset. So why not grow your assets as opposed to seeing them as a liability that you're trying to tolerate? Don't tolerate awesome. people. I, I agree with you 100%. Now I want to quickly, uh, you know, I see that Girish is actually on a call. So we will actually move towards the uh, the last stage of our room wherein, you know, Felicia, I've pinned uh, on the top uh, the link to your website. Okay, how about you tell us a bit about what you do, what kind of audience would benefit from your services and how you help them out. Give us an overview. What is your brand about? What market problem is it solving? Who is it for? And if you have any sort of offer available, which people can take advantage of. Sure. So Felicia Word Marketing, the nexus of it is that I have survived four job layoffs in my career. Um, I ascended from a, um, a junior account executive who's someone who wanted to work in marketing and advertising to an account person, to a senior account person, to an associate VP. Um, working with um, advertising, then moving on to corporate America, working with board of directors, working in crisis management. So I take my wealth of experience that I've had for myself and started consulting on, you know, through my job. I started getting asked offers. Hey, do you consult? Do you ever do side projects? And I was like, yeah, okay, yes, I do. And I create a service page and start working and then decided to put my own name to myself uh, before the pandemic and just focus it on marketing myself where before people knew me in the industry. Who I help, I help people who are to transition from corporate to becoming an entrepreneur. I help small business owners who are in entrepreneurship and they don't realize that it's a huge mindset shift when you come from being in the corporate arena to being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs don't realize that we the times have changed they can't just focus in on their business they have to follow they have to actually become really knowledgeable about marketing and they have to be knowledgeable about social media in order to survive so i help them create the brand assets that they need to help establish their brand in their beginning stages and that beginning nexus and then help them translate them that they're branded across all different social media platforms they have their website they have earned and owned media earned media is the publicity that you're trying to get from um you know channels between advertising PR and everything else that you're actually trying to get from other publications. But you have to have owned media so that you can take people offline and bring them to your newsletter, your website, um, your membership, your podcast. Those owned media assets are what help build your brand and help build your business. Your business. If Clubhouse and Instagram were to shut down, which they've done in the past for a day, look how people are impacted. So you have to think about what assets that you actually have. Your The golden asset is your email list. That's how you can contact people all the time. So I help them build those types of brand assets and market them so they can market themselves. And I'm going to be offering um, a 15% discount on my paid consultation where I meet with you for about an hour and a half where you tell me what your problems are. I tell you what solutions that you can actually implement fast to give you a quick win. And then I provide you a written strategy and I will give you three resources that you can move for, you know, from moving forward from there. And if you're 
interested in doing ongoing business, that's great. But at least it gives you a guideline as opposed to trying to think of every day what you're going to post, what your strategy is going to be. You have enough on your mind as being an entrepreneur, but I will help you in your mindset and helping compartmentalize that you have to spend time on your own professional development to grow and to learn, to network with other people who are growing and learning. You have to spend time on your own administration. You have to spend time on the back end of your business hugely important. If things don't have a flow and you don't know where things are and things are not automated, you're not going to be able to operate as an entrepreneur. You're going to be all over the place and not have enough time. So that's how I help create a transformation and I call it market and brand elevation. That's what we do at Felicia Word Marketing. So I thank you guys so much for the time and the great questions. And Jason, thank you so much for providing this platform where we could talk about the meaty issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and giving out all that information has been just so helpful to the people on the back end. I saw the links that are coming up. And again, I advocate for everyone to obtain your own certification for diversity, equity, inclusion, and also take advantage of LinkedIn. They have little badges that you can earn on your resume that can be very helpful later on down the line so you can educate yourself. Awesome. Felicia, you know, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to also look quickly, uh, you know, give people a heads up about my interview with Felicia uh, on April 6th, 2022 at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, so we're going to be speaking about uh, corporate experience if you're in a if you're in corporate america and the experience you bring from corporate experience does not actually offer any sort of shortcuts for you to succeed in business remember you know you may have a wealth of knowledge from your corporate experience so it doesn't necessarily mean that you will be put front in the queue because of that experience you may have to start from zero even if people knew you while you were working uh, for those corporate jobs so that's an excellent topic which felicia has suggested so I want to quickly give a heads up to people who are new to the show. Brand Identity Design Club specifically speaks about design, corporate identity design, design in general. And, and we also do a part series called as the Dark Side of Entrepreneurship, which is the one which I'm specifically speaking about. I also do another show with LJ called as Unscripted Business Insight on a different club. And sometimes I do it here also. So that, that's what uh, the flavor of the show is. So ideally, you know, typically we are trying to target entrepreneurs. You know, we want to amplify their stories, their challenges and adversities. We want to bring them to light. Uh, the idea of bringing them to light is to make you guys prepared if you're into the entrepreneurial space. We want to make you understand and made you aware that this is something which might happen. And when it happens, we don't want you to panic. We want you to be prepared and be ready how to fight those adversities because that's the only way how you can grow. So, so if you if you get value from today's conversation, please follow the club, please follow me, please follow Felicia and everybody else whom you thought offered you value uh, with this conversation. Uh, the show uh, goes live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can expect a show tomorrow also. This was an exclusive episode which we did with Felicia. Usually I don't do shows on Tuesday, at least going forward. And so thank you Felicia for this opportunity. Tomorrow I'm doing a season, uh, season eight to 15 uh, recap. And I'm gonna just speak about some of the guests whom I interviewed on my previous uh, season one of the podcast. 
we're going to share some insights on what did I learn from it? What were the, uh, you know, the implementations, some of the implementations uh, which I did based on that interview. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. So stay, stay tuned. Uh, if you go, if you click the Monopoly house and if you were to scroll down, you should be able to see most of the events scheduled for the next three to four weeks. I would, uh, I would encourage you to uh, hit the bell icon next to the event and add it to your calendar so that you get notified about it. So I still see that Girish is still on the call. I want to thank you, Felicia, once again for joining today's conversation and helping me out getting a better understanding of what is DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how it impacts the workplace. It is definitely going to impact the way how I, you know, I'm going to look at things going forward, and the benefit and the reward by having it, and 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 to treat everybody like a family. That's what you know what we were really concluding to. You may have a diverse group of people, but don't treat them like strangers. Treat them like a family, because when they are included as a part of the process, you know they they would be more involved. They would be offering their time. They would be more dedicated to the workplace, and 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 this can lead to better decision making. Uh, it can lead to better marketing ideas. It can help you to problem solve a lot of things which your organization otherwise you know would be challenged with. So it's it's really beneficial for both parties by adopting it, and I think it's a cool thing. Why treat uh, you know people differently? Just treat them the same way you like to be treated. So thank you, Felicia, once again. Do you have any any final thoughts before we end this room? Jason, I just want to thank you and commend you because you have created such a great platform for yourself and for other people that you've interviewed. This whole dark side is so important because a lot of different rooms have boundaries as to what you can talk about and what you can't talk about. And the fact that you're giving people the, the actual down low on what the meat and potatoes as to what actually needs to be done and all of these different, um, you know, uh, subject matter experts that you're interviewing. It's an incredible wealth of knowledge, and I'm so happy that I helped you know, participate in it. And I've listened to your first, I tell everyone to go listen to the the first um, series that you did, the first seven chapters and follow those people. And the life lessons that are being taught behind the subject is so critical to the growth of people who are entrepreneurs. So I thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I actually did 23 episodes, so you just saw the first seven, but there are more I to it catch up. on season one. And <laughs> yeah, and, and, and by the way, season two, for people who are just listening, season two is going to start from March 30th. And before season two, I'm educating people how to repurpose content for your podcast. So by re recapping, you know, your existing episodes in a group, it helps you to just come up with uh, new content, but using existing resources, you know, so just, you know, just show, if you look at my show, it's pure marketing in its original form. So my, my target audience are entrepreneurs who that's who I interview. Okay. I use podcasts as a medium to showcase my skills and to showcase my ability through design and, 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 and verbally through, you know, to, you know, by having it on audio, it just brings exposure to me and the guests. It also brings a lot of business opportunities to me. So this is marketing. So I want you to understand the show is designed intentionally in the way, as you see today. So I want to thank you, Felicia, once again, uh, for being here. I also want to give a shout out to Kiana for helping me with the title for your room, Felicia. 
season one we spoke last night and she helped me to craft out that title and description uh, so that it makes relevance to the people so th that's about it and we're going to end the room in uh, you know five four three two one felicia thank you so much you take care of yourself thank you thank you jason so much bye 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 kiana <laughs>